evening. My name is Nicole Santora. I am one of our pastors here at our new Milford location, and I am also the daughter of our lead pastors, Pastor Frank and Lisa Santora. I'm so grateful for them. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be able to be here with you all once again. Um, today, I want to continue with our series, Mental Health Goals. Um, I want to continue with that series because I am so excited for this series. This series has been one of my absolute favorites ever. You guys can take a seat and we'll do our Bible declaration in just a little bit. I am a huge psychology nerd. So those of you that know me know that part of my education is in psychology. So when Pastor Frank said that I had the opportunity to speak on this topic, I was like, yes, my favorite two things, the Bible and psychology. Last week, Pastor Frank, he talked about the mighty say it weapon, the mighty say it weapon and how our words impact our mental health. So today, I want to piggyback off of that subject and speak to you guys on the topic of claiming your breakthrough, claiming your breakthrough verbally and mentally. Sometimes in life, when things get hard for us, we develop a victim's mentality, a victim's mentality. How many of you guys have heard that term before? Yeah. So a victim's mentality is a personality trait in which a person tends to recognize or consider themselves a victim of the negative actions of others. So sometimes people who have this mentality, they often focus only on the bad situations that have happened in their lives. They feel a sense that they had no control over their circumstances and they dwell on it and they talk about it a lot and they harp on that. American novelist John Gardner said, self-pity is easily the most destructive of the non-pharmaceutical narcotics. It is addictive, gives momentary pleasure, and separates the victim from reality. Now, none of this is to say that bad things don't happen to us, that bad things are always our fault, because sometimes we are a victim of our circumstances. We are a victim of a situation. However, what I am trying to say is that living with a consistent victim's mindset is actually damaging to your brain. More often than not, those who have this mindset, they get too focused on what has happened in the past instead of allowing God to move in their life. Before we dive into the text that will set the foundation for what I want to share with you guys today, would you guys stand to your feet once again and say our Bible declaration together? If you need a Bible, we have some ushers who can bring you one. So let's all say this together. Ready? One, two, three. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so that I can be all that God has destined me to be. Would you guys remain standing in honor of God's word? I'm going to be reading from the book of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. So John 5. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's also going to go up on the screen behind me. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. 
Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this service. I thank you for your people. Father God, I thank you for the message that you placed on my heart. Let me communicate it the way that you shared it with me. Father God, I dedicate this service to you, and I want it to bring honor to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. You guys can take a seat. I want to focus primarily on the sixth verse, where Jesus saw the man lying there and said, Do you want to get well? This verse may seem a little unnecessary, and it might even seem like a silly question to ask because Jesus was asking a question where the answer seemed to be quite obvious. Jesus was asking a question where he knew the answer already. This man had been sick for so many years, but yet Jesus still said to him, do you want to get well? Jesus didn't ask him this question because he didn't know the answer. He didn't ask the question because he didn't understand the circumstance. He didn't temporarily be unaware of what was going on. Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? Because he wanted the man to vocalize what he wanted. He wanted the man to claim what he wanted. He wanted the man to claim his breakthrough. Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well to, prov to provoke something in the man's heart to stir? Jesus wanted to revive the man's expectation that in spite of so many years of discouragement, healing was still an option for him. Jesus asked do you want to get well? Jesus understood that not every sick person wants to get well. Sometimes people become so discouraged by their condition that they put away all hope of ever being healed and just cope with their circumstance. Yet Jesus asked, do you want to get well? But the man respond, didn't respond to the question Jesus asked. Instead, he explained why he hadn't been healed yet. He copped a quick victim's mentality, and verse 7 explains that he said, I have no one to help me. Someone else gets to the water ahead of me. So you see, it was believed that in this time, the angels, they would come down to the pool and they would stir the water. And the first person to get into the pool would receive healing. But because, as we read, this man was unable to walk, he was never able to get into the pool. But this man believed that that was the source of how he would get his healing. This man was staring into the face of the being that could heal him, yet he was so overcome with a victim's mentality that he continued to blame others and not understand that he was looking face to face with his healer. The man limited God's help to his own ideas and expectations of what he felt his feeling, his healing should look like. 
Sometimes we find ourselves doing that same exact thing, especially when it comes to our mental health. We get stuck in a victim's mentality where we blame others for our circumstances, where we focus on the bad situations, where we talk nonstop about the bad rather than vocalizing what we expect God to heal and free us from. However, we can't just vocalize what we expect God to free us from. We have to actually believe that he's going to free us from it. So we have to vocalize in faith our expectation for breakthrough. James 1, 5 through 8 explains that when we ask God for something, he will give it to us and he won't judge us for asking. But verse 6 says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So what does that mean? Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. Well, when we vocalize what we expect God to do, we need to vocalize it in faith. We have to focus on what we're declaring. We can't be wishy-washy. We can't come to church and we can't, you know, raise our hands and be like, yes, I am declaring that I am free from depression. God is healing me from my depression. My depression is gone. And then the next day when it gets a little tough, be like, oh, my depression just overcame me. That's being wishy-washy. We can't do that. Um, this biblical principle is also a psychological principle as well. And doing this actually causes psychological damage to your brain. So I am going to try my absolute best to not like be a complete psychology nerd right now, but bear with me just for a second. We're going to throw one more psychology word out there. And that term is called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes. So this state, um, it confuses our mind. So for one, um, an example, one minute we're claiming a positive over ourselves, and then the next minute we are claiming the negative opposite. When used incorrectly, cognitive dissonance actually causes discomfort, it causes stress, and it causes anxiety. So this biblical principle is also a scientific fact about the way that our brain works. So it is so important that we ensure that when we are vocalizing things, they are consistent. We need to ensure that we're vocalizing in faith our expectation for breakthrough. I want to share with you four points in understanding how to claim your breakthrough once you vocalize in faith what you're expecting. The first point is that it is essential to understand that breakthrough starts with you. It doesn't start with others. It starts with you. If you guys remember in the beginning of this series, Pastor Frank talked about Joshua 1, 8, which says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The Lord says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You, not your friend, not your spouse, not your boss, you. Breakthrough starts with you. Now, sometimes this point is a hard one to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow, right? Sometimes it's a triggering statement. Sometimes those of us who have been truly wronged, we feel as though we're the exception to this statement. 
Um, and I want to take a brief moment to share with you guys how I once thought I was the exception to that statement too. Um, when I was right out of high school, I entered into a situation where, by definition, I was a victim. I was a true victim in that situation. I was in a highly abusive relationship, and I was the victim. However, when I got out of that situation, I developed such a victim's mentality where it consumed me, and I didn't allow God to heal me. Yes, it's important to say I was the victim, but that's not where it ends, right? So I want to give you some examples of how I had this victim's mentality and how it was inappropriate to have such a mentality. So I had PTSD when I came out of this relationship. And if I got triggered by something, um, I would react extremely poorly. I would get rude. I would um, put up a defense. I would sometimes blow up and I would use my victim's mentality as an excuse. I would say things like, well... I reacted that way because of X, Y, and Z. Or, well, you can't do that to me. You can't act that way around me. You can't say those things to me because I get triggered. I pulled my victim's mentality out. I had bad insomnia for many, many years. And if I was too tired to do something or too tired at work, I would use that as an excuse. And I would say, oh, well, I didn't sleep last night because I have insomnia because, you know, I went through X, Y, and Z. I had depression and I decided, yeah, that's me. I'm just chronically depressed all the time. I have depression because of what I went through and because of what that person put me through. However, I had to realize that I didn't want to live the rest of my life as a definition of a victim. Yes, I went through it. Yes, it was very, very real. Yes, it was a tough situation. But I in no way had to live the rest of my life with a victim's mentality. I wanted to live my life as a victor because that is who I am in Christ. But getting rid of that victim mentality, it didn't start with the person who wronged me. It didn't start with making excuses to people. It didn't start with me bashing the person that wronged me. It didn't start with me explaining over and over what happened. It started with me. Breakthrough starts with yourself. Breakthrough begins when you seek the Lord and you say to the Lord, Lord, do a new work in me. Create in me a new heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Jesus asked, do you want to get well? Do you really want to change? Do you really want to be healed? Vocalize it and allow your breakthrough to start with you. Declare over yourself, I am not a victim. I am a victor. Declare over yourself, I am not defeated. I am an overcomer. Declare over yourself, I am not a slave to bondage, but I am free in Christ. So today isn't the day where I share my whole entire testimony, but if you give me just one more second, I want to share this one more part because I want to brag at how detailed God is. God is so detailed and I have to share this with you guys. So as you know, you just learned, my name is Nicole. My middle name is Ashley. So my first name, Nicole, it means victorious warrior. My middle name, Ashley, means of the Ashwood tree. 
Now, ashwood trees are what they use to make some types of weapons from. Ashwood trees, they don't break down in a storm. Ashwood trees are hard to destroy. So my name quite literally means victorious warrior who is hard to break down and destroy. I was predestined from birth in a quite literal way to overcome my circumstances. So every time my name was spoken, unintentionally, people were repurposing myself to get back aligned with God. They were recalling. They were calling me to be the person that I was destined to be. They were calling me out of that victim's mentality and they were calling me to be a victor in Christ. The second point that I want to share with you guys is to allow room for the spirit of God to fully consume you. Jesus asked, do you want to get well. He didn't say, do you want to temporarily feel better? He didn't say, would you like a bandaid to temporarily solve your, uh, fix your pain? He said, do you want to get well? Some people, they don't actually want to get well. They don't. I didn't want to get well initially. I just wanted to feel better. I just wanted everything to just make me feel better all of a sudden. But do you want to actually get well? Sometimes we go to church for a temporary high. We say, oh, the service was so encouraging, but we don't leave changed. We read the Bible and we say, wow, Jesus healed the lame man, but we don't believe that he could heal us as well. Sometimes we'll go to our friends and we seek out people who will just listen to us and empathize with us, but they don't actually try to speak life into us. Jesus said, do you want to get well? More often than not, we don't experience the fullness of God's presence and healing power because we have so much baggage and wreckage from our past taking up room inside of us, not allowing room for the spirit of God to come in and fully consume us. Do you want to get well? Well, I encourage you to make room for him to move. I heard a pastor, and I don't remember who it was, but I heard a pastor once say that God the Father is the architect who with the plan for our healing. But Jesus is the doorway for us to receive our healing. However, the Spirit of God is the healing presence that will fully consume us and bring us that healing. So make room for that healing presence to completely consume you. The third point is that breakthrough begins when your excuses end. Jesus asked, do you want to get well? But the man gave Jesus every reason, every excuse why he wasn't already well. Well, I don't have anybody to help me. Well, others beat me to the water. His whole mentality was built on excuses and victimizing myself. But as we just learned, breakthrough begins with you. Therefore, it doesn't matter if you are the victim or the perpetrator. Breakthrough begins when your excuses end and you allow yourself to break before almighty God. Breakthrough begins when you stop making excuses for your situation. And when you say, I don't need my situation to change, but God, I need you to change me. I'm not making an excuse that I was wronged. I'm not making an excuse that I had a bad childhood. I'm not making an excuse that I lost my job. I'm not making an excuse that my marriage failed. I'm not making an excuse that this happened or that happened, but I'm ready to say, do a work in me, God, because I know that once you do the work in me, the best plan for my life will begin to unfold. Bishop T.D. Jakes, he did a sermon called Your Breaking Point is Your Breakthrough Point. 
And it made me realize that when we break before the Lord, when we break before him and truly, truly break with no excuses, he will put us together better than we could have ever imagined. But when we break before society, when we half break and then give an excuse, when we half break and then pull out our victim mentality, it only does more damage to us. We have to fully break before the Lord. As someone who has had to fully break a couple times, I promise you that fully breaking before the Lord, it is more scary than um, like the, to say it, to hear it, than it is for it to actually happen. Because when you actually break before the Lord, once you decide that you're a victor, once you decide that you're going to make room for the spirit to come in and consume you, once you decide to get rid of your excuses, God, God steps in, he saves the day. And as your pieces are falling, he's picking them up so fast that you don't even know that they're falling. And he puts them all back together and he restores you more than you could have ever imagined. The last point and the most important point in claiming your breakthrough is that you need to claim the freeing blood of Jesus over your life. In Luke 4, 18, Jesus fulfills a prophecy by declaring, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. You don't have to beg God for your breakthrough. You don't have to beg him for what he already bought for you. You don't have to beg him for what he already won for you. So right now, if you're in this room and you need a breakthrough, whether it be a mental breakthrough, whether it be a physical healing breakthrough, something else, I want to encourage you that you are in the right place at the right time because God hears your cries and he knows your hearts. I want you to surrender your life to him and allow him to come in and move so you can receive your breakthrough. I want you to vocalize to him that you need something and in faith believe that you're going to receive it. I'm getting ready to wrap up, but I have to share something that stood out to me um, in the story that we read in the beginning. The first verse, it explained that Jesus was on his way to a festival. Now, that may sound like unnecessary information. Why did we have to know that? They didn't say what festival it was. Why should we know that? Well, I was thinking about it and I was like, Jesus was on his way to a festival. He wasn't on his way to the pool. He wasn't on his way to go perform miracles that day. He was on his way somewhere else. But Jesus made a detour because the man was worth it. Jesus made a detour because he said, that man is worth it. Jesus didn't say, oh, he's been sick for too long. He's a lost cause. Jesus didn't say his faith must be too weak. That's why he hasn't been healed yet. Jesus didn't judge and say he must be this way because. Jesus didn't say, well, he just is this way and kept on moving. Jesus stopped and he made a detour because the man was worth it. And every single one of you in this room and watching online are worth it as well. No matter where you are in life, you are worth it because Jesus came to set every captive free. There's true beauty in the phrase set every captive free because since he did that, 
Now you and I can claim that over us whenever we need to. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. There is chain-breaking power in the blood of Jesus. Depression-breaking power. Anxiety-breaking power. Burden-breaking power. Sickness-breaking power, bondage-breaking power, trauma-breaking power, freedom-saving power in the blood of Jesus. Jesus came to set you free, and Jesus came to give you your breakthrough. I want to say a prayer over each of you right now, each one of you who wants a breakthrough, each one of you who is ready to surrender it all and to ask God, God, fully consume me and give me this breakthrough. So right now I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but stand to your feet. And if you want to receive this breakthrough, I'm going to ask that you raise your hands as a sign of surrendering to Christ, as a sign of getting ready to receive what God wants for you. So Father God, right now I ask that you come and fill this room with your presence, Father God. I ask that you touch these people who are willingly surrendering themselves to you, Father God. I ask that you move, and as I say this declaration that you gave me to give to them, Father God, I ask that you touch them right now, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I declare that in the name of Jesus, this is the year that the favor of God be abundant in your life. Last year, troubles may have come, but this year, expect the favor and blessings of God to profusely abound on your life. I declare that this is a year of victory. I declare that you are no longer a victim over your circumstances, but you are a victor in conquering circumstances. I declare that this is a year where you will walk in your true freedom. God has sent his son to give you freedom from whatever it may be. Right now, I declare freedom over depression. I declare freedom over anxiety. I declare freedom over addiction, Father God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, may it break and may they leave it here. I declare freedom from anything holding them back, Father God, because you sent your son to set every captive free. Father God, right now, I declare that this be the year that God fully restores and heals your heart. Hurting hearts are some of the worst kinds of hurt. Because I believe it's because you can't see it. You can't get to it. You can't ice it. You can't put a Band-Aid on it. You can't take medication for it. You can't do anything about it. But how many of you know that Jesus, Jesus can come in and he can give you the best surgery that you're ever going to have. And Jesus can heal your heart. I declare that everything that was ever taken from you physically or emotionally be restored to you 10 times over. I declare that the favor of God be over your life, be over your family's life and over anything that comes your way. I declare that today marks the day of your breakthrough year in the name of Jesus.